there for a few months. Uh, we're going to hold steady on that, that passage, that ship, and I'm very excited about it. And so as it would be to reason, you start at the very end of the book, right? That's what we're going to do. We're going to start at the very end. So will you do me a favor? Will you stand as we read God's word? We're going to read Matthew chapter 28. Verses 16 through 20. It's going to be on the screen for you if you don't have your Bible. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. All right, go ahead and grab your seat. Thank you so much. I can tell very few of us grew up in a high church tradition because of that lack of response. And I'm okay with that. I'm going to train us to do that. When I say this is the word of the Lord, you say, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Okay, yes, I know, I know. We're an evangelical church, so that's okay. We'll get there eventually. Um, but yes, I'm excited. So this, this series is going to address a lot of what Pastor Jessica just mentioned about how do we orient our lives around the way that Jesus lived his life and practice the things that he commanded us to do. That's what we're about. And so as we get into it, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to begin to pray each and every day, whether that's in the morning or in the evening, to just say, God, help me to be more like Jesus. Help me to be more like Jesus. Because it's a big deal. It matters. It's a really big deal. For many of us, the next week will look something like this if it all goes according to plan. Tomorrow morning, you will wake up and you will grab a cup of coffee. You'll catch some news, maybe open the socials. Hopefully, you'll squeeze in a day of your Bible reading plan. Get the kids some breakfast. Get yourself some breakfast. Help the kids get dressed. Help your spouse get dressed. Get yourself dressed. And then, it's off to the races. More than likely, you will spend the day split between productivity and distraction, distraction by the tasks that are looming for you after you finish working. Wondering if you will even have any time at all to even consider the errands that you need to run while you rush out of work, back to your family. Once you return home, you've got the demands of parenting or marriage, you have dinner plans, you have a daily check-in with your roommate or your spouse. You start to load the laundry so that you can get it into the dryer before it's too late. Or you walk the dog because Muffins has been home all day without you. <laughs> you wrap up your evening, evening responsibilities, the food, the errands, the chores, the cleanup, the kids' bedtime, and now you finally get a chance to settle down for the evening. If you're married, maybe with your spouse, but either way, the world starts to quiet down from the noise of the day. Maybe you pour yourself a glass of wine or make a bowl of popcorn. You prepare yourself to settle into an episode of your favorite show, which if you're Topher is still walking in. <laughs> Maybe it's a book. Something to distract you from the reality that in the next 
few hours your day will end, and then it will all start again in a few waking moments. And then you repeat this process every day for the next five days, all in the hope that once Friday afternoon arrives or whatever version of a weekend you are afforded, you are able to relax a little, slow down, watch a football game, see a movie, grab some drinks with friends, dinner, whatever it may be. But in all reality, you know that list of chores that you ignored all week with the intent of being a better parent is still whispering in your ear, I'm still here. And I demand your attention. The lawn needs mowed. The house needs cleaning. The laundry you started five days ago is sitting in a pile accruing wrinkles that will last the lifetime of that garment. No matter what you do. <laughs> Meanwhile, your calendar is so sweetly reminding you you have two soccer games tomorrow and a gymnastics competition. Oh, and by the way, you promised your family that you're going to go to the fair because where else can you buy food that's marked up 700% and smell farm animals at the same time? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's Sunday. And now you're here at church. After fighting with your kids all morning about what they should wear, fighting with your spouse, whether you have time to stop for coffee or not. And now the pastor is preaching this sermon that is reminding you about how stressful and busy your week was. So helpful. <laughs> all the while, you're trying to savor this weekend that held so much promise, but turned out to be so ordinary, leaving you longing for the next weekend and all of its potential. As you reflect on your week, if you choose to reflect at all, you are keenly aware that your life is too busy, too noisy, too distracting. Mm -hmm. Now maybe the week I mentioned above was not your week. Maybe you don't resonate with that specific week. Maybe busyness is not your issue. Maybe you're retired, you're an empty nester, you're a professional grandparent. Or you're a young professional, maybe a student perhaps, and kids are a possibility, maybe less so now after that introduction, but you're looking forward to that, but the career is budding and it's exciting and your work, working long and tireless hours in pursuit of your dreams. Maybe at times, instead of being too busy, you're just downright bored or lonely, or you feel a sense of meaninglessness and aimlessness. And on the outside, your smiles and your laughs, and on the inside, you are panicking because every time you reach a new personal benchmark, one that you worked so hard to achieve, you realize that it leaves you less satisfied than you imagined. And nothing seems to fill you up like you had hoped it would. These realities are too common for people in the U.S. And they're too common for people in the church. Americans are busier than ever before. Christians are busier than ever before. More distracted than ever before. Have access to more information and more technology than they've ever had before. And also, Americans are more depressed more anxious, more lonely than ever before. And regardless of whether there's a causation between these two realities or a statistical correlation, 
or even pure coincidence, which I think is highly unlikely, the problem remains and we need change. We need change. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus makes this bold declaration. Some of you are going to be tirelessly aware, because I have read this verse to you every sermon for the last four months, and I'm going to continue to read it to you because it's that important. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus' statement begins with a stark warning, and it's that important. It says, the thief, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, Jesus calls his enemy a thief, and the image should capture our attention right away because a thief operates a very specific way. A thief operates in the shadows. A thief's goal is to remain hidden, anonymous, incognito in order to perpetrate their intended crime without being noticed at all. In order to perpetrate their crime without taking on anyone's attention, only to see the damage, the wreckage, and the loss that has been given after the thief has already accomplished their work. The thief is sneaky. And the damage the thief does is often undiscernible until it's too late to stop the damage from doing what it was meant to do, from taking its toll on the victim. And Jesus is saying, this is what he's saying, he's saying, watch out for these things in your life, things that seem fine, maybe even seem good, but ultimately allow the thief to do his work without you noticing the damage that is being done. And what is the result of the work of the thief? Well, thief, Jesus warns us about that as well. He says, again, the thief comes only, only. It's the only purpose of the thief. To steal, to kill, to destroy. There is no wiggle room in this passage. If it is the work of the thief, it will only steal the good things from you. It will only kill everything good and meaningful in your life. It will only destroy the good works that God has designed for your life. There's no option where the work of the thief is going to ultimately be good for you. It may seem good in a moment. It may feel like it's fine in the moment, but it only steals and kills and destroys. But Jesus is so good to us because that is not the end of that sentence. That is not the end of that thought. Jesus says, but I have come. Jesus has come that they may have life and have it to the full. Where the enemy works like a thief to bring deception, death, and destruction, Jesus is working to bring life. That's such good news. But it's not just any life. It's a full life. A full life. Doesn't that sound amazing? A full life. So what does this full life look like? Even though I was not there for that original teaching, I know, I'm not that old, okay? I wasn't there firsthand. I can use the larger body of Jesus' teaching and some of my own experience to confidently say to you, Jesus was not referring to a full schedule. 
A full life does not mean a full schedule. Jesus was not promising that we accomplish a lot of stuff. Jesus was not suggesting that he came so that people can fill up their life with all kinds of activities, including religious ones. Now, is having a full schedule a bad thing? No, of course not. Is having a long list of accomplishments inherently bad? Not at all. Is religious activity inherently bad? Of course it's not. But the full life Jesus seems to offer is one where whether or not we are busy or at rest, we follow him. Whether or not we are achieving a lot or underachieving or achieving a little, we are following him. And whether or not we are reading our Bible plan every day or not, we are following him. The full life Jesus is talking about is one full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. All of those things, regardless of our circumstances. The full life Jesus offers is not just one for after our bodies die and go to heaven, or we're in heaven with him. The full life Jesus offers is an invitation to a flourishing life right now, today. Yes. That's good news for us. Today, you can flourish. Jesus tells his disciples back in Matthew, the verse that we read, the verses we read at the very beginning. He says, I have all authority on heaven and on earth. So if that person, if Jesus has all authority, then whatever he says will be, okay? Therefore, go and make disciples. Okay, great, Jesus, how am I gonna do that? Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, anything else? Yes. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Everything? Yes. <laughs> everything that I have commanded you. And here's the thing, every command that the Bible contains all the way back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden is designed for our benefit. Did you catch that? Everything, every command written in the Bible all the way back to the Garden of Eden is designed for our benefit. Not a restriction, not a bunch of don't do's, but a guide, commands for our benefit. Now the Gospels are full of Jesus' teachings, right? And every one of those teachings is designed to help humanity flourish if and if we obey his commands, if we obey his teachings. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to dive deeper into this idea next week. So I won't spoil it, but I want to give you a highlight. When Jesus lived that time period, there was a specific question that every philosopher of every tradition was trying to answer. And the question was this, how does someone live a good life that is full of meaning and purpose? They weren't necessarily trying to figure out how to get super rich or super powerful or, 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 or super successful. They wanted to know, what does it take to live a good life that's full of meaning and full of purpose? And I think if we ask ourselves that same question and really reflect, our pursuit of everything we do is actually rooted in that same question. In fact, I know it is. When Jesus taught, he was answering that question through the lens of the kingdom of heaven. And so over the next few months, we're going to study the Gospel of Matthew, one of the four accounts of Jesus' life and teachings to help us learn 
what Jesus taught so that we may know his teachings and his practices, his way of life, and integrate those things into our own life. And here's my bold statement for the day, okay? I know you were looking forward to it. You're like, dang, I just want to hear Pastor Rick's bold statement. The only pathway to true human flourishing is to know and obey the teachings of Jesus. The only pathway to true human flourishing is to know and obey what Jesus said. Amen. To model your life after his life. Pastor Jessica read this verse already, or recited it rather. I'm going to read you the whole section in Matthew 7. This is what it says. Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's concluding the Sermon on the Mount, which is a sermon directly related to that very question. How does someone live a good life? This was his response. And here's where he concludes. And we all know a pastor's Conclusion is the most powerful point, right? Amen. Starting in verse 24 of chapter 7, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Just so you know, you are that house. Yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So again, Jesus offers a promise, just like he did in John 10.10. But this time, it's attached to a decision that we must make. Option one. Build your house on Jesus' teachings. Hear them, know them, obey them, practice them, and your life will be like a house that remains standing through every season, through every storm. Option two, ignore his teachings. Okay, build your life how you think you should do it, and it will be a house built on sand, one that crumbles with no resilience and no staying power. I think I know which one I want. I know which one I want for everyone here. Amen. It is with this call to action, to Jesus' teachings, to practice them, to be obedient to them, that we will turn our attention to in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is the anchor, is the centerpiece, the focal point of everything we're doing at Foundation Church. Yes. Of everything we're doing. And our mission is to help everyone know and follow the way of life that Jesus preaches and teaches. So that, there's a reason, we may avoid being a people who are increasingly stressed, increasingly anxious, increasingly depressed, increasingly broken. And instead, we become a people who flourish. Who become a people that stop the enemy's work in its tracks, yes. notice it, and stop it in our own lives first. Yes. And try to help our brothers and sisters in their life too. And that we would become a people who are equipped to invade the darkness of the enemy with the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Yes. Being disciples of Jesus comes with a price though. Mm. The way of Jesus is a counter cultural way of life. Much of what Jesus teaches, much of what he preaches, much of what the disciples of Jesus are called to know and obey will defy 
popular culture. Here's an example of what I mean. This is found in the Beatitudes, the countercultural way of life that Jesus talks about. When culture says, be proud, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. When culture says, there is no time to be sad, always be happy, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. When culture says, find your strength within yourself, Jesus says, blessed are the meek. And when culture says, hunger and thirst for success, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And when culture says, an eye for an eye, Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. And when culture says, you do you, Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. When culture creates anxiety, depression, and violence, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. When culture says, do anything to be likable, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Mm -hmm. There's a cost to following Jesus. This is the way, this is the new way of life for a disciple of Jesus. But again, I say the only pathway to human flourishing is to know and obey the teachings of Jesus. That's the only pathway. So how are we going to do this as a church? That's a great question. I knew you guys were smart. It's amazing. <laughs> the short answer is deep work in community over a long period of time. This is the disciples pathway for the people of Foundation Church. And here's what it looks like. Let me just give you a glimpse of what I'm talking about. Over the next few months, we're gonna talk about this at length. And all, I've already highlighted it, but the way of Jesus will require that we reorient our lives to know the commands of Jesus, to create space to understand, to understand the commands of Jesus, and to practice the commands of Jesus. This is the deep work. It's not light, it is deep work. Scripture, prayer, Sabbath, solitude, fasting, generosity, generosity are just a few of the traits that mark the life and teachings of Jesus. And you will see them all in the Gospel of Matthew. We too are called to practice these rhythms. And again, they are for our benefit and His glory. We don't have to worry, we're not gonna implement these rhythms of life alone. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go and make disciples, teach them to obey my commands. And we're gonna do that in community. So we have the deep work that we're gonna do of implementing Jesus' ways, letting him transform us from the inside out day by day, degree by degree, but we're gonna do it together. Pastor Jessica already said this, you were not meant to do it alone. That is never how God intended you for, for you to be disciple, to grow, to change. You were meant to do this in community. Specifically, in part through your larger church community, this family, and a smaller group of people where you can truly know and be known. That's why we have these community groups that we're offering. Our method for creating this space, this type of community, is our community groups. I know, it's a clever name. The first one we're going to do is the rhythm of Sabbath. 
For eight weeks, we are going to gather and learn how to practice and implement Sabbath so that we can be a people who are less stressed, less anxious, less violent towards ourselves and towards others so that we can learn how Jesus practiced Sabbath and help ourselves implement that. So you are not alone. We have deep one to do, but we're going to do it in community. And that leads me to the last, most difficult part, in my opinion, of all that Jesus is calling us to do. The way of life that Jesus is calling us to, the way that leads to true human flourishing, is going to take a long time to master. Oh, it's so irritating. I want it now. Right? I did Willy Wonka. What's it now, Daddy? That was, that was for free. I didn't have that <laughs> This way of living that Jesus calls us to, there will be no shortcuts. There will be no fast tracks. There will be no magic formulas to cheat the system. Rather, it comes in these small doses through our daily commitments to know and obey Jesus, to live as he lived. And as hard as it may be to think of that it might take years, decades for you to master a specific trait that Jesus is calling us to, let me remind you the only pathway to true human flourishing is to know and obey the commands of Jesus. There's just no way around it. So here's my encouragement. I know this wasn't the softest sermon, but I wanted to hit it hard at the beginning because so much of what we're going to study in the Gospel of Matthew is just incredible stuff. Jesus encouraging us, lifting us up, helping us understand that there will be trials, but that he's called us to something better. And that he's working in it, and he will never leave us through that. So here's my encouragement. You know that there is a pathway to life, specifically the life that you've been longing for. I know every single person in here has a version of their life that they are just so psyched about and they're trying to get through. And you also know that the life you really want, truly, truly, after reading these verses, and deep in your heart, you know that that is part of following Jesus, that the only way that you get there is by knowing and obeying the commands of Jesus. And you also know now that there is a church, which is right here, who has a plan to help you live that life, to help you go along that pathway. And you also know that you don't need to do it alone, that you're not called to do it alone, that we're here to do it together with you. And to laugh when it's time to laugh, and to cry when it's time to cry, and to be mad when it's time to be mad, I mean, if I'm honest, right? To lament when it's time to lament. We're gonna do that together. We're gonna lift each other up. So the only thing, this is the only thing, and this is where I'm closing, the only thing left to commit to is to commit yourself to pursuing. It's to commit your life to pursuing and following Jesus. So here's my question. Will you join? Will you join this team as we learn to live as a disciple of Jesus imperfectly and with plenty of fault? I'm certain of that. But that's where we're moving. That's where we're going. We're going to practice the life that Jesus lived. We're going to know and obey his commands so that we may flourish not just when we are in heaven but today 
to invade the darkness that the thief tries to work in with the light and the love of Jesus. Will you join me in building your life on the foundation of Jesus? Will you stand with me and we're going to pray for a moment? sing and I just want you to sing your guts out. I promise no one sounds worse than me, so just sing, okay? So I'm going to sing my guts out, but for a moment we're going to pray. And I just want you to know, if you need prayer with somebody else, if you want someone else to pray with you, both Paige and Mike are going to be in the back available to pray with you. But for this moment, we're just going to pray. We're going to pray that God would help us revealing us the places where he's calling us to know and obey his commands. There's a specific area or a specific thing that you're chasing after. Maybe it's the right thing you don't know how to get there. May God help us. Maybe it's the wrong thing that you need to teach or God will help you do that as well. Will you join me in praying? Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that no matter how wrong we are, you love us also invited us into this way of life that is flourishing. One where we actually get to live the best version of our life today. And the pathway to that is to know and obey your commands. So help us to submit to that. Help us to follow you. Help us to know you. To know your teaching so that we can have the courage and the and the framework to start building that into our lives. And may we lift each other up when we struggle. May we hug our brothers and sisters and love them and be generous with them. May we encourage them. God, we ask all of that out of a heart of gratitude for what you've already done. You've already given it to us. We just need to commit to it now. So I pray that we would do that. I pray that we would be a people who flourish today because of you in Jesus' name.